Welcome back to Guys Nation Wrestling. That was John, the uh, theme song for Miss AJ Lee. John, I, I don't see you skipping around or dancing to that theme song. No, and in fact, I was just reading the YouTube comments. It's it's like the dregs of the internet. Unbelievable. Oh, come, come on now, some of those are probably listening to us right now. Yeah. This is addressed to Mr. Cool Baron, you fucking homo, and any other... Uh, good lord. Which is a dirty-ass George Zimmerman lover on her. Wow. Yeah, really throwing it down there. Yep. With his real name. <laughs> things oh, I, goodness. Things I'll regret when I'm 33 for 100, Alex. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we figured we should touch on the Divas division. Yeah, I, I know it's probably not the, the favorite thing of... of most of the people listening, and most of the people listening probably wish we wouldn't dedicate a segment to it. But do not hang up on us yet. Do not hit fast forward, because there were only two short segments on the show that uh, that we thought we'd touch on. Yeah. And we spared you the Total Divas discussion, even though I watched every episode glued to my television. I wanted to watch every episode, but uh, I'm a little hooked on a show called Breaking Bad, so mm. I had to watch that. Right on. So. I guess they are on the same nights, and I'm less of a man. Well, and, and I have uh, some less manly things being DVR'd at the same time, so uh, I really right. can't. Uh, it's it's not like I'm getting true blood or anything like that. So. Sure, you have to make decisions. I understand. Yeah, and, and not all those decisions are mine, so yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so the big segment that we saw was uh, AJ decided she wanted to say something to Stephanie. This was coming out of a promo for the Triple H DVD that showed Stephanie and Triple H's wedding, which I'm actually fairly interested in seeing. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm not, not sure why. <laughs> well, just I almost just want to see like how Vince McMahon acts, you know? Yeah, well, I, I, I paid very little attention to, uh, to that while it was going on. And uh, the one thing that I saw was William Regal as a groomsman. <laughs> that right there just makes me at least want to watch it. I'm sure it'll be on Netflix Instant at some point, and I will definitely tune in. I wonder how drunk he is during it. Um, well, given that it's his bosses getting married, probably not drunk at all, but... Uh, I don't know. He'd be surprised. Well, yeah, Could be hungover from the night before. Well, there you go. It is a wedding after all, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh... All right, so we see that segment, and AJ has been unlucky in love, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Stephanie starts to get in her face after she basically says, like, what's up with this match? You know, my partners are going to turn on me. They all hate me. Uh, why can't you just put them on a hiatus? And then she's like, Stephanie, you're up in my personal space. <laughs> and uh, Stephanie's like, this company is my personal space, blah, blah, blah. You won't be Divas champion anymore. You know, don't watch yourself, kind of thing. So, so some interesting stuff going on there, I guess, with the fact that you know AJ is like the kind of uh, free agent. You know, she's not really friends with anyone. She's tried to be friends with the heels. I don't know if they like her that much. Um, and we saw her get beat down a little bit. So I just, I don't know. I've had this feeling that they they might end up turning her face because the fans want to like her. You know. Yeah, and but, and. Uh... It was definitely weird, because my first thought when I saw that segment, because I was paying a little bit of attention, because AJ was there, um, my first thought was, wait a minute, AJ's a heel. She's been running down all the other divas. She's been running down everybody else. 
going into all this, she was a heel. So why is Stephanie talking smack and threatening to take away the belt from a heel? Right. Would, wouldn't she want to stick with her? But, you know, it certainly seems like maybe they could be looking to turn her face. Well, and I think it goes along with the overall concept that we've discussed uh, from other segments with other wrestlers that, you know, I think they're may- maybe putting it on the fans to decide who they like. Um, you know, the fans can decide whether they agree or disagree with the Big Show's actions, whether they agree or disagree with what Triple H says. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of tweenerness going on. And maybe if AJ gets reactions in a certain way, they'll lean towards making him more of a face. You know, I think they're going to do that with a lot of people. Yeah, it certainly would would seem to be uh, a smarter move. I mean, um, when you have boxing or MMA, you don't necessarily have faces and heels. You just have guys who uh, have fans and guys, you know, who, you know, seem like a villain. Uh, Dan Hardy seems like one of those guys where a lot of people dislike him. Anderson Silva. That, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of... Uh, of BJ Penn, but I know he's got a huge following, and uh, I kind of do like Anderson Silva. Tito was kind of a heel back in the day against Ken Shamrock. Right, but, you know, even Tito had tons of fans, right? Right, right. So it's it's kind of a smart move because, you know, you have things like, you know, Dolph Ziggler being a heel, quote-unquote, but then uh, he gets a lot of face reaction, then it's hard to book him. So why not book it more like... uh, more shades of gray and just, you know, these are all competitors. They all have the same goal, and so it shouldn't matter if one guy's heel or one guy's face. Kind of let the fans decide how they want to react. Yeah, and I think especially with important important wrestlers like AJ, they should do that because she's clearly the class of that division. And, you know, if, if the fans want her to be face, you know, if she stales a heel or whatever, then you might as well try to roll with it and see where it goes. Um, so she ends up taking the loss to Brie Bella somehow <laughs> with like a one move finisher that apparently AJ, you know, couldn't be beaten by Caitlin 500 times, but Brie can do it in one move. Yeah. Well, um, so well, I guess we know where the push is going for that. Well, I, I don't know who Caitlin was dating. So, uh, maybe That's it's true. The, maybe it's the power of the, uh, behind the scenes, uh, can't think of yep. a uh, euphemism for uh, bump and uglies. So. <laughs> right on. So that's about enough of the, Div- the Divas talk. We'll see where it goes. Well, uh, one, one other thing uh, that I, I thought was interesting. Did you happen to, to catch the uh, the segment right after AJ and Steph? Um, it, it was really short, so uh, I, I almost missed it, but I had to rewind for a different reason. And uh, Randy Orton coming up and talking to the Bella Twins. Yeah, well, I'm talking specifically to Bree about how she should date a real man like him. <laughs> right, instead of instead of Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And that, I guess that's just another situation where uh, you used to have the Bellas being heels, and now because of circumstance and because of total divas or whatever, um, I guess they want to push them as faces now. Yeah. So kind of, kind of an awkward situation for me to look at it, but. Well, I think they kind of have to. If they're acknowledging the, the relationship behind the scenes with Daniel Bryan, I mean, the guy's the biggest face in the company. I mean, you yeah. really don't have a choice. <laughs> right, and it doesn't help that uh, Nikki is dating John Cena, the other huge face in the company. Yeah, yeah you kind of don't have a choice there. Right. 
But uh, I'm fine with that. You know, it's not really a huge deal. Yeah, no, and they're I, they're good on that. They're good on that show. I mean, anybody that watched the show probably likes them a lot better now, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I just saw the first episode and it was like, you know, they were definitely interesting. So. Yeah. So. We will uh, we'll see where that goes. The other big kind of segment that you know didn't get a whole lot of time, but it was but it was definitely um, memorable. You know, was when the shield came out after Daniel Bryan talks. And first, you know, we should mention uh, you know Daniel Bryan does a pretty good promo. I like that he finally got a chance to really talk. Right. Because um, he's been interrupted a lot, you know, and for being the guy that's the face. He hasn't really had that mic time that you you saw you know back in the day with like a Stone Cold. Um, so I was glad he got a couple minutes finally. And yeah. uh, he said he had a good line. I thought you know he's like, "What am I gonna talk with? Uh, was this Scott, whatever his name is, and say you know I really need you to do a fast count?" And he, he says, "You know why would I need a fast count when the guy's already knocked out?" Right. Uh, which I thought was a good line, and and I think. You know, overall, everyone that's taken that knee has been pretty much laid out flat on their back. Yeah, pretty much. I, I don't. I don't think anyone's kicked out of it yet, which is. Or even moved. Right. I mean, they were just laying there. Yeah, they sell it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So he has that nice promo, and then we're getting ready for the eleven on three elimination tag. She'll do their usual shtick coming down from the crowd. Uh, they hop the the barrier, and then all of a sudden, boom! Attacked. Um. I couldn't even tell who it was at first because, like, all the security guards are wearing black too. But you know, it turns out to be the Rhodes. Um, yeah, they've been gone for a couple weeks now, so we forgot about them a little bit. Yeah, and I, I thought it was good that uh, you know, even though it's it's kind of implausible that gold that gold dust would be wearing his face paint if he was you know wandering through the crowds, not wanting to be noticed. It's a nice touch. Yeah, it is a nice touch because uh, you know, just like you said, you had trouble noticing what the hell was going on. That was my first clue that this was actually something decent that was happening, was the fact that I saw Goldust's face. Right. Cody, Cody Rhodes kind of, you know, he could blend in with the security guys that are trying to move him away, but you see Goldust and you're like, holy shit, something's going down. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really yeah. like that he had the face paint on, and it, you know, totally added to the segment. Um, the Shield kind of. You know, spoiled it a little bit. I thought at least Rollins did because he looked like he was bracing for the impact. Yeah, he like kind of turned to the side, like, well, "What's going on?" For like, yeah, so for like a split second, I was like, "Oh, something's something's going on here." Yeah, because uh, normally he's just like heading right to the ring. Yeah, and you know that didn't it. I didn't really notice him until I watched it a second time. But yeah, definitely on the second second watch, uh, yeah, I definitely noticed it. So, uh, so this begs the question. You know, where do we find, or where do we think this goes with the roads? I mean, do we, are they going to be involved in the pay-per-view? I mean, I guess technically they're not working for the company right now. Right. Do are we see them basically act like the Shield to the Shield? I mean, is this going to happen more? Or are they going to attack Big Show? I mean, what do you? I mean, I could see them coming out, uh, you know, on SmackDown, maybe helping. Uh, Dolph Ziggler win the, the um, United States Championship or stopping the Shield on the next Raw. I, th I think it would be a good move if you have a situation where the Shield is like, 
screw this. This is the second time that uh, that Gold Dust and Cody have interrupted us, have have you know attacked us, have stopped us from doing what we wanted to do, and so uh, we want these guys in the ring, and that is the impetus behind getting them back on the show. And I think Cody and Gold Dust would be a good um, a good addition to a pay per view where you would have you know Daniel Bryan and them taking on the shield and Randy Orton. Yeah. In some so, sort of So match. you're almost you're almost saying that the Shield would go to Triple H and Stephanie and be like, Hey, we want this to happen, you know, almost like we've done all this work for you. Give us what we want. Yep, that's exactly what I picture happening because I don't I don't think it's gonna be a situation where Triple H is like, Well, you showed us we can't keep you away, so we may as well put you back on the roster. I right. Don't, I don't think it would happen like that. Although they've done some, you know, some weird things over the past couple of weeks where Triple H is kind of like, "Oh, well, thank you for stepping up and telling us we're assholes. We're right. going to reward you for it." So. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that, yeah, that would be the Shield uh, asserting themselves, and they've said that they want people to assert themselves. So if they're you know, being pushed around with having these crazy matches, if they assert themselves and say, look, this is what we want, then that would certainly fit into the storyline. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I I'm, I like that they just kind of threw that in there. Then they were gone the rest of the show. They didn't really mention it. We'll see what happens um, on SmackDown. But just that, that idea of, you know, a couple of faces being the ones that could suddenly interrupt a match... And uh, and ruin everything. It's almost like what Steve Austin did back in the day, I guess. Yeah, I was. Um, I was but it's a cool feeling that that we haven't seen in a while, you know. Yep. Yeah, I was just about to uh, compare it to Stone Cold, so I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I don't want to put I don't want to put them on the level of Stone Cold. And uh, and then again, there are some things that Stone Cold did back in the day when he was the the face of the company that uh, that I I didn't I didn't agree with. Um, you know, from a storyline standpoint, you know he. There'd be some matches where you know the match was going on in the ring. It had nothing to do with him, nothing to do with the main event, and uh, he just come out and give stunners to everybody. But right. uh, but yeah, I mean it it is very it is very reminiscent of something he would do. Just you know, the face is the aggressor. It's, yeah, interrupting and then being pulled away by security. And, right. Yeah, um, and Cody Rhodes. You know, I think for a lot of years, or at least past couple people have thought, you know, he might be ready to have a bigger run. Um, you know, he's clearly got a lot of experience already at, at a young age. He's got a, he's got a pretty good look. You know, he's, he's got excellent in-ring ability. He's gotten better on the mic. He's not the best. Uh, but, you know, this could be, you know, we're building up a fever pitch of fan support. Um, so I don't know, you know, do you see... Do you think this is going to lead to to bigger things for him, like a main event? Maybe not even WWE Championship yet, but certainly like a believable push to where you might see that happening next year. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I think in the past couple years, the only chances he's had seems like they're usually against Randy Orton. It seems like he always gets his face stomped in. Um, So I was always kind of disappointed about that. You know, I obviously don't see him main eventing uh, the upcoming re- WrestleMania. I don't see him, you know, having a title shot on that. Um, but I certainly think he deserves it more than Jack Swagger or, 
you know, another run by Sheamus or another run by Alberto Del Rio. Um, I'd certainly yeah. like to see Cody Rhodes get another shot. And uh, I like the fact that they've positioned him like this because it is going to help him get up there and get a shot against Randy Orton. Yeah, he was stale, I think. Um, music is stale. Wasn't really doing anything. Had some forgettable intercontinental runs. Uh, so this helps a lot. And I think bringing gold dust in the mix is, is always cool. So yeah. we'll see where that goes. Um, another crazy situation, really kind of the biggest story outside of, uh, you know, what's going on with the corporation, Dana Bryan, would be uh, CM Punk. He gets in the ring in his Chicago Blackhawks jersey. He's repping his city and uh, getting censored for words that didn't appear to be censorable. I don't know if you noticed that. And not, it's, not it was very really, odd. But, yeah, and, and it would almost have to be because I think I would have recognized it if it, you know if he would have been doing the uh, the typical phraseology that you know typically involves you know a word that would get censored. But yeah, it was. It almost I almost thought that maybe my uh, my TV was going crazy or that uh, the cable company was you know a little wonky here and there because you know that happens but uh, yeah but it, it's weird if it's not just my TV you know no it was it was happening to me and and I just thought you know and I rewatched because I was I was watching a, a clip rather than you know at live. So I was yeah. able to go back and then just figure, just try to look at his mouth, and it's like he wasn't saying anything that should have been censored. Um, so I, I don't know. It was it was odd. I wonder if they were censoring the fans. I wonder if somebody said something or because it, it happened be, again yeah. when it happened again when Heyman was talking. Yeah, it, um, it would almost have to be the crowd that uh, that they were censoring. Yeah, and it's weird. The because, same. Go ahead. Yeah, I just say it's 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 ironic because. The segment just happens to be going on right now on my TV in the background. Um, you probably can't see it, but... Uh, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, but uh, I'm not going to take the time to rewind it and try and hear it, but it, it would almost have to be the fans. Yeah. Well, either way, um, you know, he, he's been censored at least a few times in the last month. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know if they're changing uh, the way they want to be presented. If he's doing that on his own, but whatever, we know there's a delay of some sort. Yeah. Um, so he's repping Chicago. Um, doesn't really say anything too interesting before Heyman comes out. Heyman interrupts him <laughs> singing on his scooter, which was just the greatest. I was slapping my knee on that one. Yeah, he was repping New York, right? Kinda, yeah. New York, New York, something like right. that. Yeah. Um. So just the, I, I was really hoping that this was going to be the shtick, at least going forward for a while with Paul Heyman on a scooter. Yeah. But uh, that was just so great. And then, uh, you know, so he starts talking about how he beat CM Punk, the best in the world, and calling Chicago the second city, second-class citizens, second-class parents, which you should know a little bit about CM Punk, which right. I thought was quite the dig. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of... Just, just brilliant work from Paul Heyman as usual, and then eventually, uh, you know, CM Punk wants to come out and beat his, beat his ass, and the scooter breaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Heyman, so Punk comes after him. The goons come in from the side, and you know, we get a beat down. But right. some good back and forth there. You know, like I always like seeing that kind of side stage, you know, outside the ring 
stuff. It's not a sanctioned match. It's just guys mad at each other, you know? Yeah, and I, I really like the fact that the uh, that the brawl, it actually featured some good spots where CM Punk got the advantage because they had some believable offense. You know, like he, uh, he yeah. threw uh, Curtis Axel into the, into the uh, video screen and then he went after Ryback and he threw Ryback down at one point and then kicked Curtis Axel in the head and then just gets taken out by Ryback. Um, like it's thrown onto that uh, that uh, production box, which is sick. Like I, I hate it when yeah. somebody gets thrown onto something and it doesn't break and it looks like it doesn't give at all. He's he's unfortunately gone through that a lot <laughs> this year. Yeah. You know, he he had a couple spots there with the Rock where he was supposed to go through the announce table and didn't break. And yeah, he's been taking a lot of bumps lately. And so so Ryback does the big table spot. You know, holds him way up in the air and flips him over onto it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, CM Punk took one there. Oh and, yeah, uh, I actually thought he might have hurt his leg or something because he he kind of awkwardly hit probably like fifteen percent of the way down the table on the edge, and you know that's got to hurt enough. But then uh, it wasn't a clean break on the table, but his leg kind of seemed like it bumped on the table. Yeah, which is always the awkward things like. You know, you're watching football and somebody gets blown up with a huge hit and then they pop up, but uh, you know somebody tackles somebody in a weird way and their leg kind of twists and all of a sudden they're out for like a year and a half. Right. right. So it's I'm always really wary of things like that happening, um, but so far I haven't heard any reports of him being out. But yeah, I haven't either. Um, but it was yeah the, a big spot there and then. Uh... Heyman comes over and hands the mic. He gets up from his scooter, unfortunately. So I guess we're not going to see that anymore. Well, um, the, the one thing I am hoping about with the scooter thing is that uh, even though he's clearly shown everyone that he doesn't need the scooter and that his leg is fine and that he's just you know using it you know to to mess around with us, I'm hoping he still goes back and uses the scooter. Kind of like okay, it's part laziness, part uh, part just being an asshole and you know pretending and you know I, I just I hope he comes back on Smackdown or Raw still using the uh, the scooter right you know what I was thinking I mean not that they could not that they could do this but just in our own imagination it's, it's it would make a lot of sense if uh, you know Heyman and Ryback were like a representation of Krang oh um, gosh <laughs> You know, right. like the the big, powerful robotic body is is carrying around the brain. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like what their relationship is. Yeah, it's it's weird because uh, I can I can absolutely picture that from all the all the video games and the, the cartoon back in the day. But I was at a uh, one of these super center things. I won't name the uh, I won't name the vendor, but I was at one of these big stores and uh, looking in the toy aisle because you know I got a three year old, so I'm looking for cool stuff to get him. And they have the Ninja Turtle toys, and I saw the new Krang, and it's not as it's not as dopey as the old one, hmm. but uh, it looks pretty cool. Right. <laughs> I, I wish it would have been the old school one, but uh, I'd definitely settle for this one. But uh, it's great that you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, Heyman hands him the uh, the mic, and he's uh, another great delivery from Ryback. He's getting a little better at his deliveries. He's like. This is what happens to bullies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, the the shtick about him, you know, not liking bullies is so great. 
And on yeah. SmackDown, you know, the the uh, local talent is in the ring. And Ryback's like, you wouldn't sign an autograph for a little kid out there. <laughs> yeah, and, and then uh, and then you uh, you further bullied him out in the parking lot. Like, right. Like I, I thought, I thought both of those lines were great. Like the first one killed me. Like you know, yeah, right. Like this guy, like anybody cares about his autograph. And so right. I, I started laughing at that. And then, uh, then he follows it up by saying that the guy bullied the little kid in the parking lot. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. So you know, at least that bully thing is getting turned around into something, you know, pretty entertaining. Uh, so you know, I don't know where we see this. Uh, where do we see this going? I mean, are they set up for a match, or I don't think they well, are, are they? Well, according to Wikipedia, they are set up for a match at the pay-per-view. Just right um, back and punk. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they'd set that. So yeah, I kept waiting to see if they were going to include him in some kind of bigger match. I honestly, when uh, when Punk was getting the beat down in his hometown, you know, I was actually hoping that Colt Cabana was going to show up. Mm. Uh, I would I would love to have seen that. I, you know, if Colt Cabana was in the building, I don't know why they wouldn't do that, but I guess that kind of locks them into having him be out there. And I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that's been kind of a fantasy for a long time. That, But I guess, you know, WWE gave him a look once in the past, and that was it, and they haven't really dabbled with him since. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't necessarily the fairest of, of looks. Um, yeah. Because they didn't really let him get on the mic too much, and... You know, they gave him this uh, Scotty Goldman gimmick, boom, boom, Scotty Goldman, or something like that. And, and uh, the guy's super talented, but, uh, I, you know, I don't know. There's only room for one Santino, I guess, is the way they look at it probably, right? I guess. I I, I think yeah, he I'm could sure do a lot. He could do a lot more than Santino, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll see where they go with that. Uh, some random little items at the end. Um we saw a promo of Los Matadores, which we've seen a million times, but they've now decided to say they're going to debut next week. Uh, I guess pretty much everyone's assumed this is Primo and Epco. I mean, it certainly kind of looks like them in the face. And they have literally been on the side of milk cartons for the last year. Yeah, and and rightfully so, because you know I don't think there's anything special about them. But So... Here's the thing that I read a little while ago that I forgot to mention. Um, apparently, WWE signed Masquerita Dorada, who is a well-known mm. midget wrestler. Okay. Uh, so there's a lot of speculation um, that he could be their mini. Oh, gosh. You know, so, throw him around. So, or maybe he's like a dwarf manager. Wow. So Los Matadores might have the mini Dorito. The masked Dorito. Whatever yeah. his name might be. Wow. Do, do you think mm -hmm. WWE needs that at this point? Uh, do they need <laughs> it? No, but it would be oh, fantastic. Man. See, to me it would be like a channel changer. I would... I would Oh man, I would get so tired of it. You wouldn't pay to, you wouldn't enjoy seeing them bounce off a trampoline or just whatever craziness they do. Okay, yeah, I, I would, I would, I absolutely would. Um, especially backstage vignettes and uh, pre-taped segments. Yeah, yeah, I would enjoy it. I, I would enjoy it. But either way, it, it, it takes what we thought was going to be just another 
awful attempt at repackaging a tag team to a different level, you know? Yeah. You throw that... a mini in there, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay, what's going to happen this time they come on screen? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> back in the day there used to be all all sorts of crazy gimmicks and things that you're just like, why are they doing this? And they treat them half serious and half not serious, and then you end up with something that just, why is it on my TV? But if, <laughs> you know, these... Los Matadores, you know, if they're gonna if they're gonna be part of this, then they may as well do something to uh, make it interesting, make it different, make it something that I might care to watch. So throwing yeah. in a little mini with them, it's been a little while since I've seen a mini that actually gets treated seriously. So yeah, and I guess this guy has. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about him, but looks like he's definitely well known and has quite a resume. Yeah, and, and you know, let me take nothing away from uh, from those guys. I, I've I've uh, I've seen plenty of uh, what what they call midget wrestling that I've really enjoyed um, more than uh, more than just something to laugh at. Um, you know, those guys are incredible athletes. Uh, something I couldn't do. Uh, hmm. So yeah, it, it could it could be really interesting. For as much as I say that, I'm hoping that they don't do that. I would yeah. definitely watch it. I mean, a lot of people get a little upset or caught up in the the idea that they're making fun of stereotypes or, or whatever, but, you know, they could easily do this in a way where it's not derogatory, you know, where they're really just performing, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen it before where, uh, where it's like one-third joke, two-thirds, holy crap, these guys are awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping if they do anything that it's like that. But uh, I was actually hoping that, uh, you know, they signed a guy named El Generico from, right. uh, from Ring of Honor. And he's a guy who's not really a luchador who wears a mask. And uh, he is not a bullfighter. He is not a matador. But back in Ring of Honor, uh, his theme song was Olé mm -hmm. by the Bouncing Souls. And I think it's fun that uh, you get the... Matadores coming in, they're masked, and they keep saying "Ole." So right. I th I think it would be awesome if somehow the guy behind El Generico was involved in that because El Generico was awesome. Yeah, you never know. He could uh, at least be friends with them in some way. Who knows? Yeah. Although it's yeah. it seems like, I mean, he's he's doing well in NXT. He's had some big matches. Uh, you know, a big two out of three with uh, Antonio Cesaro that I finally watched. Um, but he's been like anytime there's somebody from the main roster that comes down, a lot of the times they fight him as Sami Zayn. Yeah. Um, so I think they definitely have some plans for him. I don't know when he'll come up, but right. So the one last uh, kind of little news item that I saw today, Steve Austin was on the MMA Hour, uh, which I guess is a podcast of some sort. Mm. Probably has more listeners than we do. <laughs> uh, just a guess. Right. Uh, so he talked about like Jim Ross and MMA and all that kind of stuff. But uh, he, of course, as usual, got asked, you know, if he would ever wrestle again. He talks about how, you know, it took him like three years to get the business out of his system, you know, withdrawal symptoms and all that kind of craziness. Uh, and it's been 11 years since he's been in the ring. And he's like, you know, I know a lot of fans want to see it, blah, blah, blah. But he basically says, you know, I don't want to go out there and do 90% of Stone Cold. 
Um, and finally finishes it up with saying, I'd say the chances are pretty damn slim, to be frank about it. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of the way I've seen it. I mean, does that surprise you at all? I mean, I, I think this is one of the first times he's really been almost straightforward about it. Um, surprised me a little bit, um, just because it seems like it wasn't that long ago that he was doing that show, uh, you know, the Tough Enough show, um, where, you know, people tried out, you know, and, and he coached them up. Seems like seems like if he would have gotten it out of his system, he would have gotten it out of his system a while ago. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily buy into what he's saying. I still think he'll be back. And I can understand if a lot of people would say, you know, a lot of former wrestlers would say, well, I don't want to do it because I, I'm not going to be able to do it uh, 100%. There were a lot of matches towards the end of his career where Steve Austin was not 100%. So yeah. for him to say he doesn't want to do Stone Cold at 90%, well, then they're going to need the Benoit treatment on a lot of Stone Cold's matches for the last you know year of his career where they wipe it off the map. Right. Pretend like it didn't happen because those matches were Stone Cold on 90% or 80% or yeah. 60%. And he was having issues with painkillers and all sorts of craziness. Um, yeah, and he didn't even really wrestle for several months leading into his final match, if not, I don't know, six months, almost a year maybe. It was, it was really long. Right, and, um, and, and, and don't get me wrong. When I, when I say, you know, a lot of those matches were him at, you know, 60% or 70%, I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed Stone Cold. I, I enjoyed most every match of his that I ever saw. But that doesn't mean that he was at 100%. No, I understand. Um, and I think I think what he's saying is that he just, given the age, um, you know, and the fact that he's limited regardless, um, he was limited at age 35, you know. Um, yeah. And so now at age 48, <clears throat> you know, you just add a lot more years onto that pre-existing limitation and, you know, it's hard to envision him actually performing at a high level. Um, looking here, he didn't wrestle at all from June 2002 until February 2003. He only had three more matches after June 2002. Wow. So that last year of his career, he never even wrestled. Um, he defeated Eric Bischoff in February, <laughs> so that know. wasn't even a match. Right. And then he probably had, what, some sort of stupid tag... Oh no! He defeated Eric Bischoff again on Raw, and then <laughs> and then fought The Rock. So that was okay. it. So yeah, I've always thought, and especially you know, in my opinion, and I've got to think this weighs on him when you see what The Rock did. And that's a yeah. guy that's that's a guy that's the age Austin practically was when he retired. So he's you know, The Rock is still in that range where he should be able to perform. But being out of the ring that long, he was clearly rusty even though he spent a lot of time getting ready, and there was plenty of news about that. Um, and he was obviously in great shape, and he doesn't have a neck injury. Right. And he couldn't perform. I mean, he could, but it just wasn't nearly as what we come to expect from The Rock. So so if that occurs, and you got to think Steve Austin sitting at home like, well, The Rock looks like crap. You know? What am I going right. to look like? Right. Yeah, so you know, and I don't think he wants to tarnish his legacy. It's It's a pretty impressive legacy. Yeah, and I, you know, I think everybody wants to see uh, uh, 
CM Punk against Stone Cold. I mean, I think that's I think that's the big thing that everybody wants to see, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And and really, that's just because CM Punk doesn't drink, and back in the day, Stone Cold would do nothing but drink. Um, right. But you know, I, I think I think even just getting him out there as a special guest referee, I think could be interesting. So. You know, I, as much as I'd even like to see just a tag match where it's CM Punk and Stone Cold against Rock and Sock Connection, just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> as much as I'd like to see that, um, you know, I, I think just having him in the ring, you know, being a uh, special guest referee would be would be interesting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, more Steve Austin is always fine with me. I I, I would never get enough of the guy. Um, so yeah, I just. It, we'll see what happens. He could be just kind of swerving people. You know, I'm sure if anything was potentially ever going to happen, they've already talked to him about it. They potentially might even have some tentative plans. So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, and I think, you know, not only is Punk the ideal opponent from personality standpoint, character standpoint, you know, it, he's the perfect opponent from a wrestling standpoint. He can make anyone look good. Yeah. Um, so if, if Austin's limited in what he can do, you know, Punk can take the brunt of the punishment or, you know, a big spot or whatever it needs to make the match a success. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, I think that wraps up another episode of Guys Nation Wrestling Podcast. Uh, like we said, you can reach us at uh, wrestling at guysnation.com, the email. We've got a Facebook page, Guys Nation Wrestling, and a Twitter at GN Wrestling. Yeah which uh, also reposts whatever we say on Facebook currently. I just noticed. Yep. yep. I, got it. I got it all set up that way. Uh, makes it easy for us. Right. So, yeah, we'd love to hear what you think. Uh, I think that's it for me. You got anything else, Rob? Uh, no, I think uh, there was one more question about uh, WWE buying TNA's uh, wrestling uh, library. Uh, I know you... you uh, I just saw some question. discussion about that online. Um, you know, they've been in such dire straits. Uh, people were discussing, do we think WWE would have interest in their tapes because they've decided that they're the keepers of wrestling history. You know, they have all the big libraries from the AWA and whoever else, right. WCW. Um, and, you know, kind of... Part of that discussion was, well, which big WWE superstars would have footage they want, if any. Yeah, and I, I really don't think there's there's much of anything. The only thing I can think is that uh, they might want uh, some matches for Kurt Angle and some matches for Sting. Right. Because they've got they've got the rest of Sting's career. I, I don't think they cared a damn bit about uh, Jeff Jarrett. Or whatever Jeff Hardy has done there, but uh, yeah, maybe RVD. Depends on what he does on this second go around the WWE, I guess. Yeah, possibly. possibly. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was an interesting uh, topic that you might have an opinion on, so I wanted to yeah. make sure to ask you. So the the short answer on that is definitely, but only because they have lots of money and it wouldn't cost them much, and they love to own things. Yeah, like Monopoly. Yeah, I mean, my, my initial vibe was I just don't know that there's enough there. Because I know with WCW, it was extensive and a lot of guys that they now 
that even became their stars, you know, like Triple H and Stone Cold had extensive, or at least decent amount of footage on WCW, so it made sense yeah, to well, go on that. Well, I, you know, they better hurry if they want to try and buy it from TNA because uh, I could go get another car loan and I'm late by the library. So. <laughs> there you go. Guys, empty guys out. Nation. Empty out your piggy bank. Right. Alrighty. Well, we'll see you next week. All right. Same bat time, same bat channel. Adios.